back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan. And I'm Rachel. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we have some really great news. This is going to be the sexiest podcast. It's going to be one of the sexiest podcasts, too. I no longer have stomach problems. But now Now we have lung and throat problems. (laughs) Rachel and I both have a cough that is unexplainable. Oh my god. Popped out of nowhere. Yeah. We don't have seasonal allergies. No. Um, Could be walking pneumonia. Could be mono. Could could be be bronchitis. None of us have gone to the doctor. No. (laughs) It's mostly that. It's mostly (laughs) self-diagnosis through Google or based off of previous ailments. Yes. That's it. Yeah. 100%. No. So. um, Sorry. (laughs) Ahead of time. Yes. This. (laughs) podcast may be heavily edited to be the choppiest podcast you've ever heard just so that you the listener don't hear that <laughs> but way worse oh my gosh Ugh. also we're gonna be using lozenges so that we don't cough a lot but yeah. it leads to my least favorite thing on the podcast which is mouth noises <laughs> so Oh my god. We've tried to work out a system. Yes. Where we stop one another. We're going to have a cough attack. A lot of uh, laughing smoke leads to signals, coughing. Hand It'll, signals. Hand signals, yes. Hot Carrier laugh. pigeons. Yeah. We're using mm-hmm, it all mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, let each mm-hmm, other know hey, mm-hmm. time out because yeah. I'm about to die. If no one laughs for the next hour, it's because it leads to <laughs> coughing. <laughs> I'll just have to really dumb, uh, dull down those moments. We'll, we'll be okay. As long as you guys are here with us, everything will be yeah, fine. Guys, stay. I sound like I'm we going started through <laughs> going through a lot. Um, but we really sold changes. this. We sold this episode. I, we're two minutes in. <laughs> we Can't hope we... you stay until the end. Absolutely. It gets good at the end. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> if you stay and listen. There are there's some nice little better. like treats and tidbits at the end. Yeah. Plus we, plus we bring you up from all the sadness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's our attempt. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right, guys, saddle up for episode twenty-five. Oh my god. I know. A quarter to a hundred. It's just so crazy that we've already done this many episodes because it doesn't feel like we've. I don't feel like we haven't like really dived into yeah, like the whole I know. scenario. I don't know. Maybe when we get better couches, we'll be like, this is legit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I was saying, you should get a lawn chair for this. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you know, but I threw my back out because I was coughing so hard. Yeah. And I have to sit on the floor cross legged. Yeah. Or stand to do yeah. this podcast. I can't sit on a chair because yeah. my back just won't stand for it. So. So she's sitting on the ground, and I said we should get her a lawn chair because it's low to the ground. <laughs> just sitting here like a peasant in my own yeah. home. Or a beanbag. We'll get you a beanbag. Dude, a beanbag. That's really good for the back, right? <laughs> Zero oh, support. Yeah. Zero support. Yeah. <laughs> just Can't let get that out spine of. curve. <laughs> oh, my God. What a nightmare. No ergonomically correct no. positioning here. No. None. None. Oh, gosh. All right. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the term a crime of passion? The passion. Yeah, on every soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but like today's modern soap operas are like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, that's true. I don't know if you know anymore, but 
mm-hmm. those shows are my jam. Bravo you TV. Have, like, I the, love you. The what? I said Bravo TV. I love oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We used to land on the telenovela here and there and just like sit mm-hmm. and watch it for like 15 minutes and you get sucked in. You really do. To the soap opera and you're just like, I don't even or, know like, what's the happening. Radio. Sometimes I listen to Spanish music and I'm like, <laughs> you're just like, wait a minute, we're zoned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Down for a second. Yeah. The crime of passions. It's true. Many passions? The many passions. I mean, it depends on if you're a habitual passion maker, passionator, passion puncher. Puncher? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yes. But uh, yeah, the crime of, of a crime of passion is traditionally associated with finding your lover in bed with another. And then blind red rage just takes over and the imposter in your bed just winds up dead. (gasps) Yeah. It's pretty intense. That's kind of in my story too. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's funny how we always do this. It's like, it's like we're on the same page. It's right here. (laughs) So it's a crime that is committed in quote, the heat of passion and it will usually result in a second-degree murder or a manslaughter charge because it's not a premeditated kill. Mm. Not like our gal Sally Challen with the hammer in her premeditation purse. Oh, of course. But I have an update on her <gasps> later at the end of this. Yes. Oh, my God. Did she kill someone else? <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for that lady in that beige handbag because oh she's got something in there that you don't even want to know. <laughs> it's not like – I. No. It's not a puppy. Thor. It's a hammer. It's like Thor's hammer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said Iron Man. And then you said a puppy. She's Thora. (laughs) Thora with her hammer in her purse. She was just out there trying to solve crime, guys. Hammer in a handbag. She's just a superhero killing bad guys. Right? She really was. Yeah. She was. Back off. (laughs) Back off. (laughs) The person who found their partner with another is under sudden heavy emotional and mental circumstance that can push even a reasonable person to the point of being angered and disturbed that they can no longer control their own emotions and in turn, they become dangerously physical. This is one of those stories, but it's worth a twist. I'm going to tell you about James Lynn Jr. and his wife, Tanya Lynn. Tanya works for the Athens Regional Medical Center as a technician in the Cardiac Pulmonary Vascular Diagnostic Unit. She's a very joyful person. She's always giggling. She's keeping the staff in good moods with her personality and her light-up-the-room jokes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Remember we were talking about she's just one of those people oh my that God. just lights up her room. Oh, my God. So she's dead? So she's basically dead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We'll, we'll post that meme, guys. Don't worry. You'll oh be God. in the loop. That's so, true. It's true. She is a mother of four kids, and she loves being a working mom. She just really appreciates being busy all the time. Hmm. So Tanya is married to James Lynn Jr., whom she shares her four kids with, and they all live in Winder, Georgia. James, he's been married a few times before. Oh. He was married to Julie Johnson in 1989, Tamara Shaw in 1991, And then he married Tanya in 1995. Why so many marriages, you ask? Well, as it turns out, James has a bit of a violent history. 
Cool. He's abusive Fine. physically and verbally. And uh, that was a big problem in the marriage with Tanya. Yeah. So James is controlling. He's crazy about money and their finances. Mm-hmm. And he's very suspicious of Tanya and her activities. Not sure what James does for work. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find. But uh, he's got a controlling personality, which is never a good sign. Uh-uh. One summer day in 2011, Tanya had had enough, and she told James she wants a divorce. He freaks out, and he flips over a mattress that she was sitting on, causing her to fall and injure her knee. And then he took all of her belongings, gathered them up, and he threw them outside on the lawn. So needless to say, Tanya went to stay with her sister. She filed a restraining order against James, and she called the police. And the police had actually been called to the house many times due to domestic violence complaints against James over the years. So this was nothing new. Yeah. Their neighbors were probably used to hearing all this commotion with them Uh fighting all the time. Uh, James accumulated battery charges as well as obstruction of law enforcement because he tried to hinder or delay police investigations regarding the complaints against him. So... Tanya filed for divorce and she was going to move on with her life or so we thought. So after a few months of separation and living with her sister, she called off the divorce and even had the judge lift the restraining orders that she had against her husband. What? Yeah. I don't know what in her mind changed. Maybe she didn't want to split up because they had four kids together or maybe she thought they could work on their marriage since they had been together for so long. Mm-hmm. They were going on like 16 years. Mm-hmm. Either way, they get back together and they attempt to work it out. Okay. So it's July 26, 2011, and it's about 10.30 p.m. And uh, Tanya and James, they are having a real heated conversation, mm-hmm. a.k.a. a fight. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all but one of their kids are away with either family members or they're spending the night at a friend's house. Um, They're between the ages of 7 and 14, between the four of them. Okay. Tanya had her bags packed, and she was telling James that he doesn't provide enough for their kids, and she's had enough. She's leaving. The couple, who everyone thought was going to reconcile, were fighting more than ever, and then Tanya let a little bit of her own secretive information slip. Actually, she basically threw it in James's face. And she said, hey, I don't need you after all, because... What Tanya did was rekindle a love affair that she had previously when her and James were going through a hard time. And not only did she rekindle that love affair, but she started sleeping with one of her coworkers. Whoa. And she was just like, what up, James? Who's the big bitch now? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it was just very, like, obviously, like, gloating about it. Yeah. This enrages James. Ugh. And that's the last night anyone sees Tanya. Oh, jeez. So the next day, she doesn't show up for work. Her coworkers are concerned because this isn't like the jolly, dependable Tanya that we all know. And when they call her, they can't reach her. So Tanya's niece, Krista Royster, says that she receives a mysterious text from Tanya on that Wednesday morning Mm -hmm. saying, take care of my kids and I love you. Which was just very strange. Yeah. She tries to call Tanya back to see if she's all right, but there's no answer. Hmm. Later that day, driving around, Krista and her mom, um, they find Tanya's Chevy Tahoe parked at the public library. No one's seen her. She's not in the library. Her car is just parked there. So they 
find this very unnerving and they decide to contact the police to let them know that Tanya's gone missing. Well, the first place that police and detective Rachel Love look is the spouse. Always. That's yeah, usually yeah, how it yeah. goes. They look at your who you're married to and who your relatives are and mm-hmm. who you live with before they kind of like branch out to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So they bring James in for questioning and he's cooperative, but he's almost like too cooperative. Like, he's too, like, willing to help and willing to give information. And his demeanor never changed the entire time he was there. He was just kind of, like, off. Mm. The detectives were like, we have a sixth sense about this person. Like, this just doesn't seem right. So we'll at least keep an eye on him. Mm -hmm. And he even surrendered his cell phone to the investigators. And so when they looked at his cell phone, because normally that's just like, okay, great, they're here to help. Yeah. They ended up looking at his cell phone and everything had been deleted and erased. Uh, so it's like that's thanks. more suspicious than not than not giving it at all <laughs> yeah what a fucking idiot it's just like okay guy so police look into the footage where tanya's car was found and wouldn't you guess it there's james driving her car parking it in the parking lot of the public library oh my god he gets into a female friend's car what and then they drive off and that female friend was never identified they never released who what her name was mm. So when James is being questioned, he just keeps saying that he doesn't know where she is. He doesn't know where she went. He's so worried. Blah, 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 blah. So worried he took her car to the library. Yeah, right. (laughs) So they show him the footage. They're like, look, we saw you drop it off and get into your friend's car. And then he was just like, oh, okay, I'll start talking. (gasps) So within 48 hours of her going missing, James admitted that he and Tanya got into a bad fight. And Tanya had grabbed a bat to hit him or like maybe even grabbed it for self-defense. Like who knows? It's Uh his word against a dead woman. So Uh nobody knows. But he said that he took it away from her and then he hit her with it until she stopped moving. So (gasps) until he killed her. Oh my God. So he freaks out knowing that his life is basically over. Yeah. He wraps her up in a blanket and he drives her body 40 miles outside Atlanta and he dumps her body in a well. So it's like- what you yeah so he like had this like fear panic come over him after he realized that she stopped moving he's like i know exactly where to put her in this well yes but like still knew the exact like still knew of a good place to like hide a body so to speak you're supposed to put pennies down there dude (laughs) you're supposed to make a wish wishes (coughs) wishes only haven't you ever seen i am wishing on a wishing well. Have you ever seen that part? She sings the whole like thing. Yeah, it's a whole oh. Snow White thing. That's Please why the wishing well is at Disneyland? Yeah. Oh. Yes, that's why it sings back to you because Snow White was singing it. Uh, now you have to leave it in. Crap. There's pennies <laughs> in there. I know. I have to leave all this coffee. <laughs> he takes the police to the, the well. The wishing well. The wishing well, yeah, where he wished nobody would find her. <laughs> <laughs> He had that a wish. Is, yep. That's definitely that's the, one. the penny he threw down with her. <laughs> Would have been that. <laughs> <laughs> he takes her there and they're able to pull up her body so that yeah. way they can uh, exhume her and, you know, yeah. have the coroner look at her and give her mm-hmm. a proper burial. And uh, needless to say, James is arrested for the slang of his wife. Yes. And the coroner ruled the death due to being blunt force trauma. Mm. That's. That's the first part of this story. Here comes oh, the little twist. Shit. 
So looking into James's past, detectives see that James's first wife, Julie Johnson, died of an apparent suicide. So um, Julie Johnson died of an apparent suicide oh, to yikes. a gunshot wound to the head. Mm-hmm. And that happened on January 13th of 1990. Only two months into the marriage that she had with James. They got married in 89. But then oh, my he, God. Yeah. Then 1990 rolled around, and that was the end for Julie. So if you ask Julie's mom, Bobby Mosley, she'd be the first to tell you that her daughter would never take her own life or that of her five-month unborn child. Oh, yes. my God. Julie was pregnant. So they were living in Metter, Georgia, and it looks just like the same town from the show Sharp Objects. Oh. It's like a very small, mm-hmm. rural, foresty area. It's all the houses are kind of spread apart. The town mm-hmm. is very, very small. It's just so out of character for Julie to want to take her own life, so her mom just doesn't believe it. Yeah. So Bobby, the mother, claims that the investigation into her daughter's death was incomplete and should never have been ruled as a suicide. Instead, she feels they should have taken a closer look into James. So the alleged happenings between Julie and James in 1990 show that Julie asked for a divorce from James after a day of painting the house, probably like painting the baby's room, uh, doing laundry and reading baby books. I'm sure like what to expect when you're expecting because every pregnant woman has that book. Exactly. And James said, okay. And he left their house to go grab a beer with his friend. Mm-hmm. But the incomplete part of the investigation starts there. The police never check the timeline of James's story or look at the timestamps on receipts from going to the bar, wherever he went, convenience store, whatever. Mm-hmm. James said he left the house at 1145 to grab a beer with a friend. But his friend, who was interviewed two months after Julie's death, said it was more like 1245 a.m. The next morning, James went to see Julie's sister. Not sure why. But he left to go home after that, and what felt like about 10 minutes, he returned to the sister's house yelling that Julie had killed herself. The drive from the sister's house to his house and back should have taken over 30 minutes. So there's just so many red flags. Yeah. At the house, Julie's hand placement was neatly between the wall and the bed frame, and that seemed odd. Mm-hmm. Because normally, like, a person's hand would just bounce against something. It wouldn't just, like, yeah. settle neatly in between, like, a crevice in between mm-hmm. two places. Um, the gun was near her left hand, but she's right-handed. There's no gunpowder on her hands. Ugh. And women, statistically, don't shoot themselves in the face. So Julie's mom said that there were too many red flags too many things that were being ignored by the investigation. She said that she wanted the divorce from James because James wanted to abort the baby at five months. Oh, my God. But a fetus. is not fond of that either. No, not at all. But, like, a five-month-old fetus has fingers, toes, eyelashes. They can suck their thumb. They're growing teeth. Like, like it it is a baby like it is it looks like a baby it is a baby yeah so that's just fucking awful that even then he was still not even okay with them having a child together yeah and um before she died julie wrote down all of the accounts of abuse that she suffered from james and even wrote down that if she ever wanted to kill herself 
James would show her how to use the gun. What? Why yeah. would she even say that? It just seems kind of crazy. I don't know if it seems like if she was sad enough to take her own life, she would do that. It kind of gives James an out because with the whole statistically women don't shoot themselves in the face. Yeah. Like it makes it's it like, seem like she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. But at the same time, he could have easily But then he's the one her. that taught her how to do it. Exactly. So what ended up happening because James had third wife was murdered they reopened the case of julie yeah. in 1990 and um they ended up changing her death from suicide to undetermined yeah because they realized that there were just so many holes in what happened in 1990 and even the mom was like we're not in the prehistoric ages like they could do dna testing they could look at evidence properly and be able to find out Truly. what happened but they just didn't really give that situation the time of day yeah. I did another story about that with the mm -hmm. woman who died the in cabinet, the bathtub yeah. in the cabinet. It was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was like, how do you rule that as a suicide? And they're like trampling all over the evidence while they're like Ugh. walking in. They just don't even treat it as anything other than like, oh, must she must have just killed herself. Mm -hmm. Just not even acknowledging foul play. A trial was never pursued for the death of Julie, no. but at least her mother has peace of mind knowing that she knows and that people know that her daughter did not commit suicide. Yeah. Now, flash forward back to mm -hmm. James and Tanya. James yeah. was tried and convicted for the murder of Tanya in 2011 and was found guilty of murder mm -hmm. and had a life in prison sentence. But in November of 2014, the Georgia Supreme Court overturned the murder conviction. His defense team appealed it due to the fact that the trial judge was wrong in refusing to allow James to present any evidence that his wife was having affairs. They are using the crime of passion reasoning that James would have never done this had Tanya not provoked James and boasted about sleeping with two other men. The evidence that was used during the original trial, if if that evidence was used during the original trial, James's sentence could have resulted in a lesser charge, like voluntary manslaughter, which could also mean a shorter prison sentence. So while they figure out the retrial situation, which seems completely bonkers because mm -hmm. he admitted guilt to killing her and putting her body in a well, yeah, um, they just kept him in jail and they went ahead and went forward with the retrial. Well... None of that mattered. In September of 2015, James is found guilty in his retrial for murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. Guilty on all counts. So enjoy your life in prison without the possibility of parole, James. Fuck. See you later, bitch. Yeah. So, also, I said I'd update you on oh, Sally yeah. Challen. Mm -hmm. So, if you haven't listened, it's episode 8 where this woman killed her husband with a hammer but she pled not guilty due to coercive control, meaning like yeah, he basically he brainwashed her and made her feel like a tiny, tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. So Sally Challen, as of June of 2019, is free to go. Her murder charge was knocked down to a manslaughter charge, and due to her time served, she's free. Oh, she had yay. been in prison for 10 years, and I think her manslaughter charge wanted her to serve nine years and six months or something yeah that ended her prison sentence and it ended this horror that she's been facing she walked out of the court with her two sons still standing steadfastly by her side Aww. and if you if you know we were all kind of on sally's side of yeah. this story so we never ever want to victim blame ever I feel like sorry but yeah everyone's allowed to have an opinion and if you really look at that story yeah. 
And if you go back and listen to episode eight, you'll it know that that is ours. And defense. It was defense. defense. We, we, yeah. I mean, it's self defense in, in a way. He wasn't it wasn't doing anything to her at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he kind of got his just desserts at the very end. Yeah, and it's, it ugh, sucks to right. say that, but, him, but at the same time, he was a real POS. Yeah, that was a really was hard evil, one to. Evil person. He was a really evil person. Like, and course of control, it's basically like making somebody doubt themselves. It's gaslighting. Yeah. It's um, putting them down constantly in front of other people, not only them and the family. Like, he belittled her to the point where she had nothing left she even tried to leave yes and she tried to leave but just couldn't do it like didn't have the mental capacity to do it so it was a sally should have just left i know i know she should have but but she i feel like she paid her dues she paid her 10 years i am i'm proud of her sons for sticking by her yeah and uh making sure that she was heard that her story was heard her voice was heard instead of being swallowed up by the justice system so there's justice for sally challen so yeah go to episode eight if you haven't listened and you let us know if we victim blamed (laughs) oh no we did it we We did did it it. just now just now i did i'm sure i'm sure i did (laughs) not at all you would never you would never i hope my lozenge worked get your lozenge in all right All right, so my story is a little different this week. This week, I'm going to cover a question rather than a – I just have a question throughout the whole thing. (laughs) And my question is, is Robert Best a victim? Ooh. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're going to start this story in Ellenburg, Washington, where we meet Robert Best, whose life isn't the best. He was born into a dysfunctional family where his parents divorced before he was even five months old, and his mother just left the picture. His father, Lee, remarried to a woman who became his mother from the age of nine months to four years old. But Lee didn't know how to pick him because his new wife seemed to have a pesky passion for cheating, and even worse, when she would go out and cheat on her husband, Lee, she would bring Robert. Robert was only four years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Once Lee (laughs) figured this out, he was furious. So furious, took out all his anger on the man who was sleeping with his wife. So now Robert had no parents because Lee was now in jail for assault. Robert was sent to live with his grandparents on a ranch. Um, he felt like it was he felt like the ranch was a prison. He wanted to be more in town and socialize with his friends. His dad did construction when he got out of jail. So they ended up staying on the ranch. So Robert is now in his teens and truly just having the worst life on the farm is how he felt. Eventually, he becomes obsessed with being online because it was his only way to to talk to people his age. Mm -hmm. He was 15. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we all did it. Exactly. You guys know. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Our past. (laughs) Um, He was into online gaming, which I think most dudes are. They go through a phase or still are going through a phase. Who knows? Um, so he would log in every night and one night he gets a message from the screen name Ice Princess and she lives 2,000 miles away in Ohio. Her real name is Grace Dillman and she's 16. He teaches her how to fly in the game and she takes a liking to him and they really start to like hit it off. It becomes something he looks forward to because life is boring on the ranch 
So eventually they exchange emails and then numbers and they start to not just talk about gaming. They start talking about their lives and their day-to-day lives, their families. Like they're really like going deep. Real personal. Yeah. So Grace is homeschooled. So they have a similar situation where they're both just very isolated. And that kind of leads them into more of a romantic situation because neither of them have really an opportunity to meet other people their age they Mm -hmm. would date so grace becomes his entire world grades start to slip he was secretly texting grace all night and his dad begins to worry about him his dad was in the end a pretty good father after going to jail and he starts to save so that robert can go to college and not live the life that he did he didn't want him staying in a small town and doing construction like him but robert was about immediate rewards not long term So Grace mattered, and if grades slipped, he didn't give a shit. He, of course, complains to Grace about how annoying his dad has been. You know, every fucking teenager. Oh, yeah, thinking that it's the absolute worst that their parents are checking on them. And then when they don't, it's like, my parents are ignoring me. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was totally how it was. I was like, my parents don't even pay attention to me. Like, I can run away and they wouldn't even know. Oh, my God. Well, turns out it's all still happening, people. They're still watching you. So a year goes by that they've been talking a full year. Grace sends him a text saying, I've been lying to you. I'm not 16. I lied when we met. I'm 13. So of course he's like, oh my God, she was 12. Oh my God. Like, isn't that so gross? Okay. What kind of like advanced Mm. 13 year old is able to get away with like, conversating you know what every single word that i say i'm just like rachel that was fucking you everyone would always tell me when i was younger you're so old for your age you're so mature for your age yeah oh my gosh i can't believe that you're this old you seem like you're that old okay so i take back everything that i said (laughs) well that was an emotional roller coaster sorry about that (laughs) but i feel like when i think back to things i said when i was like even 16 or even like 27 i'm like what a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't. Okay. So men, of course, mature at a different rate. So maybe they were on a similar maturity rate. That was my next thing. Yeah. So maybe to him, it like all seemed chill. Like, all seemed, <laughs> like those were topics he loved too. <laughs> so like maybe like a 12 year old's conversation with a 15 year old was like, or 14. It's like on par for what it should be. So I don't know. But I personally could never talk to a 12-year-old. I'd be like, can we just – can we not? Can you just go away? Can we just like, yeah, so Barbies are the (laughs) – like what's in? Fortnite. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) That seems chill. Yeah. Like I don't know. Oh, no. So she tries to convince him to continue – she tries to convince him to continue talking, but he isn't about that life. So that's that. She lied and she was a child, so he's dead. Wow. It's now August of 2008. A year had gone by since they stopped talking. He had actually dated a girl named Christy during that year, but things didn't work out. And um, this is when things get a little wishy-washy. With okay. Ro- So Robert's now 17 or 18, depending. I, could, I couldn't figure out when his birthday was. So he's 17 or 18. So Grace is now 14. And they start talking again. She wouldn't stop contacting him. So he felt like, okay, I'll talk to her as a friend. So she was mature for her age when they would talk. So he felt a friendship was fine. She had started dating during that year too. So he was like, okay, like, fine. Like, this is great. We can just be friends. 
But Robert decides one day to kind of like ask more about this guy that she's dating. And she's like, so he's like, did you, do you guys talk like every day? And she's like, yeah, of course. She's like, tell me, he's like, tell me more about him. And she starts listing things that are like very similar to him. So he's like, wait, are you just like listing things about me? Like we talk every day. She's like, uh, well, I just wanted to let you know that like I lied again. I'm oh not my dating God. anyone. And like, I really love you. And she's 14. No. And dude, like she just keeps lying. No, that's it. It's like fool me once. Yeah. What is it? Shame on me. Shame on me. Fool me twice. twice. Shame on you. Fool me three times. Go no. fuck yourself. No, it's shame on. No, it's fool me oh, once. Shame, shame on, on you. Fool me twice. Shame oh, on shame me. on me. What's the third time? Go fuck yourself. Got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's yep, the, that's the it. tale. Got it. Tale as old as time. <laughs> also, something to keep in mind is in Washington and Ohio, sixteen is the legal adult age. She's only two years from being adult, Whatever. which is so fucking stupid. That doesn't even mean anything. No, like sixteen. It really doesn't. Your fucking frontal lobe is not even freaking formed. <laughs> like. Y'all are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> y'all are so dumb. Y'all are really dumb. And people, baby boomers, are be like, you all are dumb. <laughs> all you guys are fucking dumb. I know, right? Everyone's fucking dumb until they too die. stupid. <laughs> Everyone's fucking dumb. Okay. So it's now April 2010. Robert's officially 18, even though, again, the legal age is 16. She's now 15, and they've been talking for three years. Their parents have no idea, but they do know that they've been texting people a lot. Which, like, wake up. It's been three years. Mm -hmm. Like, hello. Don't you have, like, some questions? <laughs> all the questions? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> who are you talking to all the time? Like, we live on a fucking ranch. <laughs> like, who do you know? Um, <laughs> so, they think of a, of a really fantastically horrible idea. Rob, 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 <laughs> God. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> Robert will sign up for mechanic school because he really wants to be a mechanic, but he's going to do it in Ohio. It's the oh. number one rated school, so he convinces his dad that this is the best school for him. His dad has no idea what's going on, so he says, I love the idea. I want my son to go to the best school. So after that summer and a week of driving, he makes it to Ohio. They're finally in the same state. His life dream is coming true. It's October of 2010. And I'm trying to not be completely judgy, guys, because their brains aren't fully formed. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Come on. Um, so now that Robert is in Ohio, they have to meet, right? Mm -hmm. So Grace, of course, lies to her parents about how they met. And they end up meeting in her town of Gahana, Ohio. Grace was very well off. Like, her parents were very rich. Mm -hmm. So she tells them that they had met on a cruise that they took to the Caribbean. So, because she was homeschooled. Like, there was no way she could have met people. Like, she was really isolated. Like, there's just really no other way. That, that was she her only out. Yeah, exactly. Got on it. a vacation. Mm -hmm. So, since they're in her town and her parents are very involved in their church, Grace decides that this would be the perfect place for him to meet her parents. And it would give the best impression at her church. Mm -hmm. So Robert goes to the church. And as he's walking up, he sees a man standing alone. And it looks like Grace's father. So he comes up and introduces himself. And in a way, to prove his love, he tells her father he is here to date his daughter. And they were very in love. Well, her father is like, uh, okay, sir, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> My daughter is 
Excuse 15, me. Yeah. And you are not going to date her. Right. And of course, they're very religious and they fucking homeschool her. Like, yeah, it's not, not happening. Like, oh my God, some guy from the Caribbean is here to take away my daughter. It's, they're not Fantastic. happy about it. Not at all. No. No. So they be- Good luck getting through that force field, homie. Oh my God. <laughs> the force field of virginity. <laughs> People had to get through that force field on God. my end too. My parents were oh just my like, God. who are you? When were you Excuse born? Me? What's your blood type? Who oh are your God. parents? Where were you? Just Hardcore. Go. Mom and dad, go. Just oh please. God. Can I just go out to dinner? Can you <laughs> on a date. Not if we can't come with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a nightmare. <laughs> it's real fun to be me. <laughs> yeah. So fun. So it was basically kibosh. Kibosh? Mm. Kibosh? Right there. Which was <clears throat> not part of their plan. And he told them that they were also not allowed to talk anymore. And threatened to call the police if they ever talked again. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, Grace's father actually ended up calling the police anyways, saying they had struck up an online relationship and he was an adult. <gasps> well, after the investigation investigator looked into it, they technically didn't break any laws due to never um, sending inappropriate pictures or even truly meeting in real life. So it was simply a phone relationship. So end of case. And this is kind of when I turned and I was like, okay, the relationship was a little different. And maybe Robert wasn't such a bad dude. Like he cared for Grace a lot. Maybe like he didn't exploit her. Like he never asked for anything inappropriate. They never talked about anything inappropriate. Oh, Chris Hansen just- would still try to catch you. <clears throat> oh he would god. still try to catch you. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> this week on Kevin and Bean, um, Jensen, the new guy that's on the show, mm-hmm. you know that the thing, what is it called, where you go, you you like ask a celebrity to just do a shout out. Oh, um, yeah. So anyways, Chris Hansen's on there. <laughs> yeah. So I he, should do that for Mike. Oh, he would love that. Oh, my God. That'd be so good. <laughs> so Chris Hansen is like super open to doing anything on there. I bet. So he's like, Jensen did it for me. Yeah. It was like, I think he said it was like 60 bucks or something. Like it's not bad. Oh my God. So he did it for each person, but for, and he does it as if he is the host of to catch a predator. And he did it for bean. And he said, bean, we caught you with your screen name. Bean, bean, touch my peen. favorite new drop and i'm obsessed <laughs> it's just chris hansen saying bean bean touch my peen <laughs> and jensen was like yeah i requested it and it was like 40 minutes later chris hansen completed <laughs> your orders <laughs> he's like what is he fucking doing <laughs> like, this is only form of income so i'm sure it'll get to you really oh, fast i'll be able to do it real quick yeah yeah i just do it on the weekly hey chris hansen Chris yeah, Hansen, my like, husband's yeah. having a bad day. Can you please just oh send him God. a nice message? You lose your home just because <laughs> <laughs> so many pink Chris Hansen. Just can you just move in with us, can please? Can you just we have a spare room? Just come on, please. Oh, then we gotta find a new podcast room. Oh my god. I'd, I'd leave for Chris Hansen. <laughs> You're like, we'll deal with the noise of yeah, Sammy like, coming in. Off. <laughs> he can with be our Chris third. Hansen. You know what? We'll, yeah. We'll make it work. Exactly. Chris Hansen. Oh, my God. If you're listening. Chris Hansen, here's the deal. <laughs> Robert Best wasn't the worst, okay? Robert. He was the best. Don't come at him. <laughs> Not yet, anyways, because, of course, the story only gets worse. Right, of course. 
because right. that's this isn't it's a happy ending podcast. podcast. No. Okay. We don't have this. <laughs> All that laughing really opened know, up my lungs. I'm so sorry. Okay. It's now October of 2011. A whole year later again, Robert continued at the same school, but he didn't contact contact Grace at all. He listened to her father, and I'm sure he was scared because they probably did the police investigation when he did call the police to get records like about what they talked about. Exactly. And both, they just, after that, he was like, I'm good. So a year later, Robert gets a text from a number he didn't know. Well, it turns out Grace started using her friend's phone to text him. And when her parents would go out of town, she would Skype him. She is so thirsty. So thirsty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And at this point now, she's 16, so it's completely legal. Okay. But they start talking regularly again, and they fill each other in on the last year, and they start to fall in love again. And the only issue was still her parents. Mm -hmm. Like, Finally, he was in the same state, and they were the same age, or they were of legal age. Like, the only thing that was stopping them was her parents. Her parents were extremely religious. They just didn't condone it. She really didn't have, like, an excuse to leave the house. She was homeschooled. She didn't have a job. Like, he was in school. They were kind of stuck. Like, they couldn't run away together. Yeah, like, what do you do? So, Robert was supportive of what her parents basically said and to back off. To an extent, like, he did talk to her, but that was kind of it. One night when they're chatting, Grace decides to share some news, some new things that she hadn't shared before. Things that could change everything. She shares that her father sexually abuses her, and her mother beats her. Robert then told Grace that his grandmother, Bernice, who he had lived with on the farm, had opened up about the same things. What? Yeah, so this was, like, something that was really close to him that he had told her. So badass Bernice, after learning about the things Robert saw when he was four, when he was right. Yeah. So um, when he got older, she decided to divulge similar things that happened to her. And she just wanted to give basically like an explanation. Well, she didn't want to give an explanation. She was like, okay, when I was a child, like I was sexually assaulted. I was raped. And um, I feel like it's really important that we talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And she came from a really good place. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on, like, your grandmother telling you this type of information. But personally, I think her heart was in the right place. She wanted him to feel – like, it's like you come to the playing field. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from because this happened to me. And I exactly. think – Exactly. Like, she – and they said I that – I think it's a good thing. Cause yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you develop a common ground, a commonality. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't leave the person who's coming to you for advice in the dark. You're actually a source of light, and that light is even brighter because you not only are grateful that they came to you, but you can actually empathize. Yeah, absolutely. And he would feel comfortable to talk about things. Like, if anything was still, like, stuck, where he just, like, really couldn't get past it. Right. But their house, she, like, explained that their house was a house where you did not, like – anything was on the table right there were no topics which is like so progressive i feel like that's how it really should be yeah like you shouldn't shun even if it's uncomfortable exactly it's fine be uncomfortable exactly and talk about the things there's so many things that i learned like in my late 20s from Mm -hmm. online if my mom or my dad had just like simply talked to me and not been like giving me some dumb excuse yeah you know but a lot of times it's like they don't know how to talk about it yeah because it wasn't their realm to want to do that like We are the generation gap that is becoming the bridge of this is what I wish it was versus what it was. Yeah. So since we're bridging that, it's like, okay, now our generation, our kids. Yeah. They're going to have a little bit more of a progressive Too much information. Or, yeah. But you know what? I mean, information's good and it's bad. 
It's like Googling symptoms when you're sick. It could be gone. You think you're going to die of cancer. Again, we have walking pneumonia. But, we have <laughs> Yeah. We have testicular <laughs> cancer. But when you're able to actually talk about serious subjects mm-hmm. without feeling prosecuted in your own home. Yeah. It's such a healthy, healthy, growing environment. You never want to feel like you're wrong in thinking something yeah you always yeah, want to be able to uh, even if you don't have the like full support yeah you at least want to make sure that there's an understanding in the place that you are living in yeah there was one thing I learned in um human sexuality when mm-hmm. I took it in college and she was explaining like children because it was some crossover into because I was going to school to be a teacher right and she explained a story where her niece like kept sitting on the sprinkler because it felt good it felt good and her mom would scream yeah and be like get off the sprinkler and made it negative. It, exactly. And so it was like that getting in your brain and being like, honey, I know that feels good, but you're like, that's going to make you uncomfortable. Like it's going to, or whatever, just explain it it's in an adult way. Later. Exactly. Or explain it in some It's not way. meant for and, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the grass needs the water, honey. <laughs> so yeah. It's I just can like, tell you've been using the yeah. sprinkler. This patch yeah. is all over the grass. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Honey, are you be sitting on the sprinkler again? There's <laughs> brown patches everywhere. Oh Look my god, god. honey, <laughs> honey, she's sitting on the sprinkler again. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god but um, but it's but true. yeah just like and i feel like our parents generation were very much those reactionary parents it was like don't do that reaction yeah rather than uh okay honey i come from a place of understanding yeah, oh yeah no there was no middle ground it was yeah. like either we're not paying attention to you at all yeah. or we're paying too much attention yeah, yeah. to you and now you're always in trouble oh my god <laughs> truly so with this news that grace decided to share and him being having a personal connection to a similar situation, he jumped into protective mode. Mm -hmm. He expressed to a close friend what was happening with Grace because he was really stressed and it was weighing on him. They told him to tell her to call the police. And he expressed that he had already told her to do that. And she said her family was too wealthy and connected in the community and that they would turn it around and the police wouldn't even listen to her anyways. Which we've discussed previously. Like, it's really scary when the police... Like, who do you go to after the police? Like, there really isn't anyone. Yeah. When you know? It's scary. It's scary. So um, so he he felt like, you know, like, I don't know what to do for her, but I want to protect her. And from what she's saying, like, she can't go to anyone. Mm. So he starts suggesting, okay, I'm going to quit school and let's run away. But she's like, no, they have so much money, they'll find me. Like, there's no way they won't find me. Mm-hmm. So as months pass by, Grace gets more and more violent in her thoughts against her parents, saying things like, they just breathe air that better people should be breathing. <gasps> and I'm sure there's a line to kill. There's a line where you can kill someone and God knows I'm happily standing at the front of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she then Dark. comes up with a great idea. Oh boy. How about we kill my parents so we can finally be together? She starts to convince Robert. He starts saying things like, God says it's wrong to kill, but I've never been one to be concerned with God. I know they are evil. She is grooming him. Yes. So it was decided together that they were going to kill them, which if you guys watch the Hulu show, The Act, which is a horrible story about Dee Dee and Gypsy Blanchard, 
Oh my god, they did a huge thing about that? Yeah, there's a show on Hulu called <gasps> The Act. It is I need to watch it. Oh my god, it watched, is so good. I watched the HBO Oh, the documentary, yeah. yeah. That was really that's really crazy. Yeah. But you, I will say the Hulu show really fucked over uh Gypsy. Like really? They had her like help with the development and then they were like peace. <gasps> I heard about that. Yeah. I read I read a bunch of news articles about that and she was pissed and mm-hmm. she was just like it's not fair, but it's just But like, her family was like they're I mean, like you don't have any rights. You're in prison. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And her family was going to get the money from it yeah. to help her when she finally got out. And then they're just like no. Not supposed to do, yeah. We just used you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they're just, just used like her. Yeah, we just used you. Which is like fucked up. But at the same time like her life was fucked up. Her life was fucked up. That's like Sally Challen. Yeah. Exactly. Dee Dee Blanchard. Exactly. Life was like, Gypsy said she's happier or, in prison than she was with her mother. Which is a shock. It's truly, like, that gives you a perspective. Yeah. But anyways, I want to. That's very, amazing. very similar situation. <laughs> like, someone, a hero, comes in to help her. Right. So, they spend the next few months leading up to two, June 2012 getting their plan in order. Grace does the legwork in the house with the alarm and discussing who will be doing the cleanup and the time it will occur. They discuss it all like it's just a normal date night. June 12th, 2012, the day before the big event, Grace was to make sure the garage door was open. There wasn't dust on the floor so that there would be no footprints and the sprinklers needed to be off. The alarm needed to be off five minutes before he was supposed to be there to not make it suspicious on the records, which like, hello, that's fucking (laughs) suspicious. Yeah. And Robert gets prepped with his weapon and gloves, and they wait until it's time to do it. By 2 a.m., Robert is in her neighborhood, and he parks in an area he thinks will be hidden, and he walked through the woods to the home. Everything began as planned. The alarm was off. He left his shoes on a trash can by the garage so that no footprints would be tracked in. And then he went into Grace's room, and they finally met face to face. So romantic, right? Oh, my God. They spoke and she brought it home again that what he was doing was the best for them and for her. The parents' bedroom was down the hall. The plan is to kill her dad first so that they could overpower her mom. So Robert alone goes down the hall to the room and he actually stood over Grace's father just watching him sleep. Oh my god, that's so creepy. I know, but he couldn't do it. He went back to Grace's room and talked to her again. Grace convinced him again that this was the only way they could be together, and they kissed for the first time. She started to question if he loved her, and he, of course, felt the need to prove that he did. Before he went back, he said he needed a bigger knife. So he went to the kitchen and picked up a seven-inch steak knife and grabbed a blanket to use as a shield from the blood spray, he said. He went back upstairs to the bedroom, and this time Grace went in with him. As he was walking past the bed with the blanket, Robert rubbed the father's foot, and he woke up. (gasps) He knew Robert, so he charged him as Grace watched in the corner. This was the point of no return. He didn't know what to do, so he just started to stab him with the intent to kill. Of course now... Her mom's awake, screaming. Mm -hmm. Robert is screaming, why did you molest her? And her dad is screaming, I never did that. And he's screaming, why did you do it? Why did you do it? And she said, she's lying. She's lying. And then she screams out of the corner, I lied. I'm sorry. (gasps) What the fuck? Yeah. So it stops Robert right in his tracks. What the actual fuck? That's like fucking insane. My eyes are like, 
<laughs> three feet wide. Like they're just like so wide. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Robert's biggest thing was trust, and he trusted her. And his mother left, and he didn't trust women easily. But he trusted Grace, and now twice, make it three times, she had lied to him. So go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. So he goes into panic mode. He was trained in first aid. He screamed for anyone to call 911 and started assisting in saving her father's life. Oh, my God. Grace just stood there in the room watching it all happen and looked like she seemed to have no remorse after ruining literally everyone's life. Police were there in minutes. Robert was completely compliant and he was arrested. Grace was emotionless, just watching. An officer asked Grace... Was that your boyfriend? And she said, no, not really. <gasps> this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check in again, but do you guys feel bad for Robert? Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I feel bad for Robert. I feel very bad for I Robert. I think that, yeah. Okay. Talk about coercive control mm-hmm. in a very strange, strange mm-hmm. manner. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. No. I'm I'll check in again. <laughs> I know. When the call came in. They said Grace had been involved. Her mom had said, Grace, my daughter Grace is involved. So they arrest her as well. And her mom just screamed, how could you do this to your father? Not knowing she was meant to be next. Robert was clear and cooperative, but Grace refused to speak with police. Police were paying attention to the small things she would say, which turned out to be larger larger pieces of the puzzle. She would say things like, wow, this water is delicious. She was so detached from what was happening. She wasn't having reactions someone her age would have in such a high-intensity moment. The police weren't sure how to proceed and verify Robert's statement. They needed motive, and they weren't getting it from Grace. So police get a warrant for Grace and Robert's computers and read all the messages that they shared. After going through all the messages, the detectives started to feel bad for him. Oh, and here's a side note. Her father lived, thanks to Robert saving his life oh my gosh had he not gone into like to save mode and done first date in that moment her father would have died oh my god so robert not only put him into like peril Peril, but but also also saved his life like how do you like it was like i don't know like i don't know that someone that was like so malicious and so evil would like stop they wouldn't no like they wouldn't no he he was just (sighs) just like brainwashed yeah <coughs> so i'm sorry this story doesn't end in murder <laughs> i know um but this it but just was still, like such a crazy story yes. that i like felt like i needed to tell it so the detective is just so blown away at what grace had convinced robert to do to be so in love that you would murder for someone is profound Grace had been grooming Robert the entire time they had been talking. Some other odd things they found was at at the time, Grace would refer to herself as Alexandria Steele. Kind of like Fifty Shades, Mm -hmm. like Anastasia Steele. And he would call her Alex or Grace or Alexandria. And the detective said it was very odd. And a psychologist stepped in and said that she got lost in this fake gaming persona. For Grace, it seemed like the fantasy would become more of her reality world, mm-hmm. and she didn't like her life that she had outside of the game. She started to convince herself that her dad did molest her and her mother did beat her, and she like would repeat the story, and like it became reality to her. Right. It was truth to her. Yeah. So Alan, Grace's father, again, only survived because of Robert. Robert pleaded guilty and was sentenced to eight years for attempted murder, attempted aggravated murder, and felonious assault. 
Lee Roberts' dad was really heartbroken by all of it. Lee calls him every week, and he doesn't absolve his son of what he did, but his family still loves him. Grace was sentenced to two years probation under medical supervision because she was fucked up, and an eight-year suspended sentence in the juvenile court, which was... Honestly, I just feel like she's so fucking evil that she should be sentenced as an adult. She really should be. Like, I don't understand. The true motivation to the murder of her parents remains unknown because she dumped Robert so quickly. And they believe she wouldn't have actually stayed with him had he gone through with the murders. Duh. Like, he was like, oh, no, that's my boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. How quickly she was to turn. Yeah, exactly. And how quickly she was to lie the first three years you talked to her. Exactly. She has never explained why she wanted them dead. The saddest part was Robert had written his grandmother and said, I don't know what's going to happen when I get out. I don't think we're good for each other, but I still love her. Oh. I know. Thankfully, no one died, but. Right, but that's still such a hardship. such because like, like, she fucked so many lives up. Yeah. Like, her parents don't talk about this. Like, so I don't know if her parents are at all supportive or, like, visit her or or support. Like, I don't know. I feel like I don't know that I, I wouldn't. Could. I would just be – I would be shocked and stunned at the fact that I gave birth to somebody with no conscience. I know. Like, that would just stun me to know that, like, you don't care if your lies get found out. You don't care if you – bury people in your lies or Mm-mm. make it to other people ruin their own lives like you just the lack of care is just so unfathomable like that's isn't that nuts it's completely nuts yeah i can't believe that she was just like okay sorry i'm lying like yeah. in the middle of all that happening, yeah she really feels so bad for him yes i that's where we land i guess i feel that robert best is not the worst <laughs> 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 but agreed. But like cough like right into your pillow. No worries. Like, that's no, not they're not mine. They're I from know, the previous hour. Strangers' <laughs> pillows, anyways. So here we go. Bringing you up from mm. the downbeat. Bringing you upbeat from the Always downbeat. Here to cheer you the fuck up. Always. Okay, so we got uh, somebody slid into our DMs, and we got a really nice um, fan message from somebody. I don't want to blow up their Instagram. So and we I'm, don't know them. Yeah, and so we don't know them they personally. Live in Australia. So, li- guys. It's kind of amazing. So, we know for sure it's not a friend. So amazing. Or our yeah. parents. So, I will just read your review. And if you are sad that we didn't say your name, then we will say it on the next episode. Gain all those followers. <laughs> right? He said, hi, ladies. I can't leave a review because I'm a shitty podcast – because I'm using a shitty podcasting app. But I want to let you both know that you are doing a rad job. I found myself pissing laughing and going, oh, that's right. Someone fucking died. <laughs> so he really enjoys our stories, even though everyone's yeah, guys, we're everyone's going to die. But, sad. but he says, take care and keep them fucking fun episodes coming. So thank it, you man. so much. You got it, mate. We'll keep it you coming, You got it, mate. mate. Over there. <laughs> We're going to keep bringing you down under. We're going to keep bringing you content. <laughs> All the content. All the content. Australian content. Australian accents are so hard to do. It's so hard. They're so difficult. Just rise up lights. Just rise up lights. <laughs> Just rise up lights and listen up. And all the content. So, yes, Nate, thank you so much for your <laughs> this 
listening every week, like Truly. your dedication. It's awesome to have fans yeah. to just give us little heads ups here and there. We get text messages, we get little DMs. Yeah. And we're still getting iTunes reviews. So yes. keep them coming. Please. Please and thank you. <laughs> oh my God. This is the sexiest podcast episode you may ever Ugh. hear us do. <laughs> the mucus is strong. <laughs> The coughing is abundant. <laughs> I'm going to edit most of these out, so don't worry. If you're here at the end and you were like, where are all the coughs? Wait till the end. Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit them in as if it, I should make like a song. <laughs> It'll just be a song. It's just us coughing. I wish I was that talented. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. I bet you my brother could put something on. Sound like a bunch of barking puppy dogs. Let's. Go ahead and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Let's go our, get some lozenges. That's right. Our lungs can't take it anymore, guys. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's not going to be a long one. But it, it is, is what it is. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a coffee one. <laughs> and not the beverage kind. Just stay with the bloopers so you can hear all of our coughs. Oh, God. It's going to be like three hours long. <laughs> it's a long like the Simpsons tune. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, that's you can't put that in there. It's copyright. <laughs> I'm cutting out everything. Cut up too. If we're not giving you fart advice, then we're giving you snot advice. <laughs> you Welcome really gotta to No Thank You Next. You gotta hawk it. You gotta hawk. You gotta hawk it. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> We'll see you guys next week for another horrible story. Bye. Bye. There's going to be a blooper reel of us coughing. That's really fucking funny, actually. <laughs> it's just like it's one single. after the other. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. Cartoon to like <laughs> as a meme for this story. Oh God. <laughs>